Brisbane. El Neal, three votes. And I declare the winner of the 2023 Brownlow Medal, Lockie Neal of the Brisbane Lions Football Club. probably fair to say we didn't expect to be popping up in your podcast feed again quite so soon but what a reason to be here for the first ever time the Brisbane Lions have a dual Brownlow medalist with Lockie Neal taking out footy's most coveted award with 31 votes in 2020 he was the raging favorite last year he was robbed by Carlton's lawyers and this year he came from the clouds to give us our first of two wins over the week uh, for the week over Collingwood overtaking Nick Gacos late in the count to take the Brownlow home Mike Whiting is currently on a train out to Springfield, but we thought despite the busyness of grand final week, surely a Brownlow medal deserves a quick emergency podcast. So here you are for 15 or so minutes only. And Mike, uh, you, you flagged this a few months back as a possibility on the podcast. Are you feeling a, a sense yeah, of vindication this sure. morning? <laughs> I'd like to claim it, Dom, for sure. Um, <laughs> certainly thought he was in with a big chance and, uh, but there's a diff- big difference between having a big chance and actually winning it. So last night was loads of fun and super. Wasn't it a great count? Yeah. So exciting. Four or five guys still in it um, at the start of the final round. But yeah, I'm not surprised that Lockie won. It seems, uh, maybe I'm just reading into social media too much. It seemed like there was a little bit of surprise out there, but no, he had a fantastic season. It was always integral to Brisbane win. So not a surprise that he voted so well. I think he was surprised, Mike, maybe as surprised as, as anybody. That looked like genuine shock on his face, not not the false modesty you sometimes get um, from from Brownlow medalists. I actually, uh, speaking of the count, I had to, so I was doing the radio show as it was finishing, and I had to go on air pretty much bang on uh, a few minutes after 10.30, just as the final votes were being announced. So apologies to anybody who was driving listening to KISS FM last night in Brisbane, Sydney or Melbourne at about 10.30, because I think that was the most distracted radio segment that's ever been aired in FM radio as I'm glancing over my shoulder constantly to see uh, to see Lockie win it. Um, uh, I'm curious, Mike, a couple of quick questions about about this incredible um, out-of-the-blue win in some ways. Lockie has had five seasons at the Lions now. Where do you think this one ranks? 2023 compared to his other four. Where, where would you put it just on, on first thought? First thoughts would be third. Yep. I feel like that 2020 year was just remarkable like that was was, you mentioned it off the top he was a runaway winner and deserved to be I feel like last year was maybe a tiny bit better as well Um, they're hard to line up though I I think that's just based on consistency this year I feel like he had 15 or 16 terrific weeks and maybe six really quiet ones there was a there was a bit of a big discrepancy between those games but those 15 or 16 great games um, were big reasons why Brisbane won. So it feels silly to be saying it's his third best season at Brisbane and he's won a Brownlow, but that's yeah. probably the that's probably the bar he set. Well, look, uh, the, by the way, I'm loving the train sound effects. This this shows, doesn't this show the pace <laughs> of grand final week? Just how much is happening at the moment? And I feel like I should do a brief welfare check on you, Mike. How are you doing amidst uh, your first grand final week covering one of your teams? That's, we're off to a... I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm fatigued yet, but um, I've got to, I've got to pace myself through this week. It hasn't been much sleep the last few nights, and been a, been a lot of work. But anyway, that's fun. This is this is what you do the job for. So yeah. I just I just put my laptop away um, at the start of a story on humour cluggage. So 
I'll get back to that later today, but <laughs> currently on the way to speak to, to Lockie in a, in a little while. So everyone that listens to this would have heard the Lockie Neil presser by the time, but yeah. that's what I'm on the way to do right now. Well, it, I hope he's more open with you guys than he was uh, on stage. He didn't seem at all interested in, in doing the media last night. It was, I, I think it was an incredibly reassuring sign that the Lions, this Lions team are laser-focused on a premiership that legitimately he's, he's wrapping up his Brownlow medal interview to get home to bed. I've never seen anything like that. Oh, I don't blame him. Like It was 11 o'clock, he's yapping away, and I was starting to think I had an hour of work in front of me. I, fin- I finished work at midnight, and I think, oh, I've got to get up at 5.30 and walk the dogs and get ready to go to work, and he's the same. He's not getting up much later, So, and he's got um, – he needs to be a bit fresher than I do, Dom, I can tell you that much. So he's got to, he's got to run around a training on Tuesday, and <laughs> he's probably thinking, I'm only going to get five hours sleep here. and It's not, not the best preparation, but it's the same for the Collingwood guys. Nick mm. Dacos was in the room. Darcy Moore was in the room down in Melbourne last night. So they're in the same boat. Um, but I understand what he's thinking there. He's thinking, shut up, Hamish. Let's wrap this up so I can get home and get some sleep. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, uh, the story's been well told, but pick 58 in the draft, and then we trade for him from Frio. Uh, we give pick 6, 19, and 55 and get Lockie and pick 30 back. Um, it's very rare you trade in someone who goes on to be a Brownlow medalist. It's uh, incredibly rare you do it for, for someone who wins the medal twice. Do you think there's now an argument that this is the best trade in AFL history, Mike? I reckon that argument will come out if Brisbane win on Saturday. Yep. Yeah, because that'd cap it, not just individually, but collectively. He was yeah. obviously, it wasn't just a coincidence that the year that he came was the year Brisbane jumped from... 15th to second i think so Mm. um he was a major reason in the turnaround um individually he's got the accolades he deserves and if he can cap it off for the premiership i think he might be onto something dom that that conversation would start in earnest saturday night sunday morning well the the other conversation that might start as well and this will be um controversial in the the eyes of some lions fans but we haven't had a dual brownlow medalist before do you think a premiership on saturday puts him at least in the conversation uh, as the best Brisbane Lion of all time, the greatest Brisbane Lion of all time? Not the greatest. That's going to be bossy for as far as I can see. But um, i tell you what it does. open. It opens up the conversation. I, these conversations happen, don't they? When we're trying to compare midfielders, it's like where where would he fit into that Fab Four midfield? People have asked that. Would he replace Voss, Black, Lappin or Akamana? So now it's probably not a conversation. He just has to be in there. Um Maybe it's Nigel Lappin that falls down. Maybe it's Acker. I don't know, but um, he has to be in that um, starting centre square, like a the dream team, the, the dream Brisbane Lions midfield. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think it's hard to um, mount an argument that a dual Brownlow medalist misses out in that instance. There, Mike. Uh, now, uh, the couple of controversies around this. The first is that he wasn't named in the All Australian team. First time that the Brownlow medalist didn't make the All Australian team since Matt Prittis uh, back in 2014. Um, do, do you think this is a bit of an embarrassing morning for for the All Australian selectors? Oh, I reckon embarrassing's a bit strong, but I, I thought he should have made the team. Um, it wasn't as cut and dried as just saying, well, he won the Brownlow, he should be in. He was fifth in the coaches' votes, which to me, you know, is a good indication. So the umpires and the coaches think he's one of the best midfielders in the, in the competition. And I think he was. It was fair that Butters and Bontempelli and these guys and Nick Dacos got in ahead of him into the All-Australian team based on their consistency, which we touched on earlier in the, in the chat here. But there's no doubt he should have been on the bench. Yeah. So I don't know if it's embarrassing, but I, I think it's a... 
I reckon there'd be a few waking up this morning saying, yeah, we might we might have got that wrong. What about the the controversy around the round six GWS game, Mike, where uh, I, I don't think he got a single coach's vote and he gets the three Brownlow votes. What What's going on there? Well, they got that one wrong. Like, <laughs> he received three votes there, but and people saying it's cost Bond the Brownlow, that's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, he got mm. three votes he probably shouldn't have got, but are we forensically going over every game of the season? Yes. Yeah. No, we're not. Of course we're not. Bond might have picked up ones, twos, and threes that, might have been a touch lucky as well. Lockie had 29 disposals and played really well in a win against St Kilda and didn't get a vote. I think it was around 15. Like, this happens every single year. It's just ridiculous to look at one match and say that that cost someone a brown line. Yeah, he got three votes he shouldn't have, but that, that happens all the time. So move on. Yeah, get on with it. He's deserved the medal. So I'm very happy for him. No, I totally agree. The only undeserved Brownlow was last year's, and I will ride that case for the rest of my life. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick Cripps, but I'm pretty passionate about that one there. And, and it's interesting, speaking of last year, Mike, I, I remember you and I chatting on the podcast just after that Brownlow medal and saying that, that now that Dunkley and Ashcroft were coming in, we probably thought Lockie maybe had missed his chance to, to get a second Brownlow medal. You thought that the votes would be split a little bit more and, and Will certainly showed that he can poll votes and, and Will for, for years to come there. But uh, it, it, it's just, a, I guess it's a testament to the the quality with which we've maybe come to take for granted a little bit with Lockie, um, that, that despite those additions to the midfield, he still comes out and polls enough votes in a season to, to take home a second Brownlow. It's, and just another, I don't know how many more endorsements of this man you could get, but it's a, it's another pretty strong one. Totally. And it's funny because it feels like such an even year for Brisbane, which you would think almost counts against him. Mm. How many times have we got on our show after wins and said, boy, that was hard to give votes for. Yes. Uh, yeah. Or there was 10 players we could have picked there. And A lot of those games, you look at Lockie's numbers, which I don't, you can't just live off numbers. But if you look at the end of the game and he's had 28 and eight clearances or something, you think, oh, that's a strong game, but watch his influence and you'll see that he's deserved the three votes. But it feels like a much more even team. And when it's even, often the nod will go to him as the best player on the ground because he's the guy at the coal face winning the clearances, um, setting the game up for Brisbane. So you're right, Ashcroft did vote well. He might be the guy that steals votes off Lockie in the future. He finished with 10 for the night. Um, interestingly, three in his first game at the Gabba, the yeah, game yeah. against Melbourne where the lights went out. So the umpires were straight on to Will Ashcroft. So... That all goes well for the future. Just four votes for Josh Dunkley. Um, at face value, probably surprises me, but he's not the type of guy that catches your eye, is he? Mm. We, we lord his defensive work, and it's unfair to expect umpires to be capturing defensive work when they're umpiring a game, isn't it? You're looking at guys that win balls and, and uh, win the ball and make impact with the ball in hand rather than a guy that's clogging up defensive holes. So he, only four votes, which did surprise me a fraction, but... When you think about it a little deeper, maybe we were wrong to think that he would steal votes off Lockie. Yeah, no, I think that's probably right. What station are you going through at the moment, Mike? Where are you as we speak? We're at, uh, we're at Dara, oh, Dara, Dara Station. There so. we go. <laughs> okay, well, I won't keep you too much longer here, Mike. Well, well, I will. <laughs> just a couple of things to rattle through. He is the first ever player to poll 25 or more votes in four separate Brownlow counts. 16th player. That's incredible. To oh, it, it sorry, will, sorry to cut you off there, Don, but you think about all the players that have got when I heard that stat, I immediately thought, surely Gary Ablett did that. Mm. He was um, a massive vote collector for year after year after year. Um, Scott Pendlebury, Sam Mitchell, like even Dustin Martin, he's 
you know, his golden run from 17, 18. Like, you just think, surely someone's done that. Yes, yeah. But no. No, it, it puts him in, in his own class now. I mean, he is the 16th player to win multiple Brownlows, but um, none of those other players have polled 25 or more in four Brownlow counts. So um, just to, uh, again, and you wouldn't put it past him to do it again next year. I mean, Will Ashcroft is a, a vote stealer, we've learned. I mean, I won't be saying that when Will wins his first, but um, Will won't be back until mid-late <laughs> in the season. So yeah. you'd, think, um, you'd think Lockie Neal as the uh, reigning um, premiership captain might be able to get 25-plus again next year. Um, now, interestingly, when you look at the history of Brownlow medalists who then go on to play in the grand final that weekend, since 2000, we've had 10 of the Brownlow medalists for playing that weekend, although it's worth mentioning of the those 10. Sam Mitchell in 2012 was a retrospective Brownlow, so he didn't know at the time that he was going to be playing mm-hmm. in the grand final as a Brownlow medalist. But of those 10, half of them, five have won the premiership. We have Dusty in 2017, Gary Ablett in 2009, Jimmy Bartell in 07, and obviously Simon Black in 02 and Acker in 01. I mean, you speak about- I love these stats, Dom. Wow. This is outstanding research. <laughs> and I will Honestly. say, Mike, it's done on, on very little sleep because I didn't get home from hey. radio until about 1 a.m. and it's, mu- it's, it's not long after It's 8 o'clock in the morning. That's amazing. <laughs> well, it is, look, it, it is the, the ultimate dream, I think, as a player, isn't it, as a footballer? The idea that yep. in a season that – because everyone always says, would you rather the premiership or the Brownlow? <laughs> to be one of those those few players in history who's done both. I mean, and you, you look at the names there of Black, Ackermanis, Bartel, Ablett and Dusty. Like, that, that's pretty good company to be keeping. You're not wrong. And it's unquestionably why Lockie was keen to get out of there last night because he's won one. Yeah. I'm sure two is amazing, and we'll get to hear him talk this morning about what he thinks. Two is amazing, but players often throw this line away, and I don't always believe him, but I would believe him if he says that he would, like he would trade this in a millisecond to get that premiership medallion on Saturday He's won one, two's great, but the premiership's what he's chasing, and that's I think that's why he was so keen to get out of there last night. I'm sure he's very grateful and humbled by it all, but the eyes are on the prize, as you said, for Saturday. So that's the that's the one thing left in his resume. Oh, I guess there's a couple of things you could say in Norm Smith as well, right? Well, and and another raw deal medal. I mean, that's the oh, one. <laughs> I would imagine, Mike, when now, you go on. to this press wouldn't, conference wouldn't now, embar- you- oh, God, wouldn't this, wouldn't this be embarrassing if you didn't win the raw deal medal after this? <laughs> yeah, well, look, we'd be thrown into massive controversy if that happened. Uh, we'll have to go back to our votes for the round six game against the Giants, hey? Um, <laughs> yeah, we should. <laughs> but yeah, I, I should. think you'll uh, when you're at the press conference, I imagine you'll probably ask a question about the raw deal medal and whether he's hoping to, you know, do the, yeah. the double this year. Is he, a, is he a two-time Raw Deal medal? We'll have to go and check our own stats, won't we? <laughs> well, actually, at the awards. So. Pretty embarrassing uh, when we don't know, is it? But, you know, we, we can look into that. <laughs> we'll get the leaderboard done there. Um, one more talking point, Mike, from the night, uh, which was that Will Ashcroft did rightfully take home goal of the year as well as we've been following that that arc um, since he kicked that goal against the Dockers much earlier in the year. It does feel a bit like everything's coming up Brisbane this week with that one. It was a pretty good night, wasn't it? Goal yeah. of the year, Brownlow medal. Um, also, just on the Brownlow as well, I love that Harris, and- Harris Andrews got eight votes, two, a couple of threes and a two. Yeah, Key defenders don't vote, mate. So I was, I was stoked to see him. So it, there was a definite Brisbane flavour last night. Um, yeah, but yeah, great night for Will. Obviously, just the start of his rehab. Ten votes and a goal of the year. Pretty handy first season when you only get to play sort of 16 or 17 matches, isn't it? 
And I think Joe Danaher took home 12 votes as well, which he uh, did. put him in he second did. place for the club. And, and uh, that stacks up with what we've been uh, seeing in our yeah. Ordeal Medal votes. So a good endorsement of Joe there, who's, I'm sure, uh, loving the week full of media appearances and big publicity events already. What about, I, I noticed there was a lot of froth among the Lions fans about Joe doing media yesterday, wasn't there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was seeing pretty the special. Big, seeing, the big fella, seeing the big fella chat for 10 or 12 minutes in front of a press conference. So, well, It's funny, just on Joe, I know this is all about Lockie, but just seeing Joe talk for 12 minutes yesterday, and he, look, he, he speaks really well. He doesn't give you a lot of insight as a journalist, but I don't understand. When I hear him talk, I don't understand why he's so reluctant to do it. Yeah. He speaks really well. He's so pleasant. Um, it, it, it's, I guess it's just part of his package, isn't it? Mm. Um, we, we see that version of him once a year in front of microphones and cameras, and there was a massive pack of people there yesterday. Didn't phase him. Yeah, He uh, rocked up and did his press conference. So, yeah, I'm glad he got recognised by the umpires as well. Just like Harris Andrews, you don't see key forwards get votes too often as well. There was a few last night. You see Joey get 12 was terrific. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Just a wonderful night for the Lions all round and, and we're just so stoked for Lockie and, and what an amazing thing to add to the narrative of this season and, and of all that lies ahead uh, that, that Lockie might be one of those those few players, as we mentioned, to do the double on Saturday. Uh, I will have to let you go very shortly, Mike. I know you've got heaps to get to. I think the next time I'm going to see you is going to be down in Melbourne uh, for our live podcast on Thursday afternoon. A quick yeah. update uh, on Melbourne. We have now sold out all 250 tickets tickets for our live podcast with Brownie and Ash McGrath in the Royal Derby on Thursday afternoon. Uh, we initially had 180, I think, up for sale, Mike, and they went just from the Patreon sale in a couple of hours. I added another 50 or 60 or 70 or whatever it was Monday afternoon, and they were gone in five minutes, those those extra 50 tickets, <laughs> 70 tickets. So thank you so much, guys, for your support. It's going to be a packed pub, um, but how good is that vibe going to be at the Royal Derby on Thursday? Uh, Kane, the owner, thinks we might still be able to squeeze a few more in on top of that so stay tuned to my twitter feed we might open ticket sales up one more time um also there has been an appetite on twitter uh for some other events and one thing we can now confirm is happening uh this has been literally the last probably uh 16 hours this has come together very rapidly but we're going to be doing a raw deal um grand final brunch or early lunch i guess you'd probably say ahead of the game um, we found a, a venue at, in Fed Square, actually, Mike, is the one that I think we're going with, where we'll be gathering together at about 10.30 on Saturday morning for food, a drinks package, uh, and a pre-game preview from me and you before we all set off to walk together to the G um, at around just after midday. We'll, we'll do that walk. And we may even have a special guest join us for that preview. So still working on that side of things, but but we might be able to do that. Um, tickets will be about 90 bucks a person, which will get you food, drink, and access to the fun function and um, Patreon supporters, you will see a link to that come out later this afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, um, with only a hundred or so spaces. But if there are any after that sale, we'll release them to the general public through Twitter as well. But Mike, how cool is that going to be to to walk to the MCG with with a hundred or so of the Raw Deal family? I don't know how you did it, Dom. You um, <laughs> just pitched this pitched this to me yesterday and bang, all of a sudden you'd whipped into action, found a venue, sorted it all in the perfect location and yeah, mate, you've done an amazing job and I hope a few people can get on board because I've said it on this show previously, my, that's one of my favourite walks. Um, yeah, one of my favourite walks of my life, to be honest, going from Fed Square to the MCG on grand final day. I just love walking along the Yarra there and um, spending some time with some people that listen to our podcast and have shared our journey. 
on the way to a Brisbane grand final would be uh, quite incredible. So hopefully yeah. a few people can can come along and, and say good day, and we can have a we can have a great Saturday morning together. It'd be pretty special. And the menu item of the canapes, I've seen it, Mike. I've selected the four canapes we're going to have. It's pretty, pretty good uh, is, is all I'll say. So you wouldn't want to miss out on this. Uh, now, the people keep asking about a Saturday night rewatch party as well, Sunday things. Things might emerge. Just the best thing to do is follow my Twitter feed. And uh, and if anything does emerge uh, additional to the Thursday live podcast and the Saturday brunch, you'll see it there. But it'll be great to share this week with, with a whole bunch of Lions fans. So can't wait to see many of you down there. For everyone else enjoying Grand Final Week in other parts of the country or other parts of the, the world, uh, just make sure you do. I think that the thing I keep reminding myself, Mike, is take a few minutes each day, if possible, just to actually stop and soak in this experience. You don't want it to go too fast. You don't want to take it for granted. It's been such a wait to get back here. And uh, and as we sit here on the Tuesday morning with a, another surprise Brownlow medal and goal of the year in the bag, I mean, at, at the moment, Mike, it's following the script of the, the week of dreams. Yeah, it just gets better and better. There's so much to read. Hopefully, the, uh, taking the time to absorb all the content that will come out this week. Like I've obviously got a bunch of stuff that will come out on the AFL website over the week. There's, there'll be stuff in the Courier Mail, Channel 7, 9, wherever you like to take in your information. There'll be so many Brisbane Lions stories. So take the time to take them in. Um, yeah, there's yeah. never going to be this much interest in Brisbane. Yeah, mate, it comes, it's taken 19 years to get back here, Dom. So mm. such an exciting week and you bang on, just absorb it, embrace it and, and really enjoy it before, um, before the nerves probably kick in on Whenever, Friday night, Saturday morning. I reckon I reckon the nerves are coming today, Mike. I've woken up with the sense <laughs> that I'm going to start feeling the nerves of this game today, most likely. Uh, well, look, we'll leave things there for now. Uh, as I mentioned, stay tuned to my Twitter feed for all of your updates around events. Uh, sign up to Patreon as well to get your exclusive access if you're able to support us there at all. Mike, I'll let you continue your train ride out to Springfield and maybe get another couple of sentences into that humor cluggage story. When do you think we'll get that? Late Tuesday? Will that be a Wednesday story? It's, it's meant to be a Tuesday story, so um, <laughs> I've got to, got to speak to Lockie Neal, get that re- written, and then punch out Huey. So, yep, got a bit on, which is good fun, right? So hopefully hopefully that'll be out by Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night. That's it. Awesome. We look forward to reading it. Thanks so much for fitting this in, Michael. I'll let you get back to your train trip. Pleasure. See you guys.